You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll explore how to take advantage of the opportunities ahead of us in this upcoming season. When we realize God is for us unconditionally, we'll have the freedom to dream bigger than ever before. As we continue this series entitled Dream, I want to call your attention to to this. Look at someone around you and give them the title of this message. Tell them, don't miss your opportunity. Look at someone who who looks like they want to receive it and say it with purpose. Say, Say, don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity. Amen. I want to show you a, a, a picture of my wife and I. And this is a special picture of us. This is my wife and I. Amen. I married up, didn't I? Amen. Uh, amen. Somebody said, yes, Lord. I mean, like, oh, you don't have to say it quite like that. But uh, no, I'm just joking. But this is the picture that my wife and I took in Sydney, Australia. And to the, to the right of my wife, that, that building behind us is the Sydney Opera House. It, it was one of our dreams to, to go to Australia and... Uh, to see uh, this architectural marvel. As a matter of fact, our daughter's middle name is, is Sydney. Her full name is Eden Sydney Moody uh, because we, we gave her the middle name after this remarkable city because uh, we love Australia. We love particularly Sydney. And the Sydney Opera House is a special place for us, but it's a special place to many people around the world because the Sydney Opera House is a masterpiece of modern architecture. As a matter of fact, in 1956, when the Australian government got ready to build uh, this building, what they did is they held an international design competition. And the purpose of the competition was to attract uh, the best and the brightest in the design and architectural world. They wanted to attract the greatest talents from around the world. And the point of the competition was that whoever won the competition, they would give the ability to design and construct what we now know as the Sydney Opera House. And the winner of that competition was a little-known man from Denmark. His name was Jorn Utsorn. And they decided to crown him as the winner and the champion of this design competition because the judges believed, after reviewing all of the different proposals, They believed that Jorn Utsorn's design was unlike anything anyone around the world had ever seen. As a matter of fact, the judges remarked that his design was bold, that it was unexpected, and they even uh, said it was visionary. And so despite lots of criticism, despite overwhelming cost overruns and even political pressure, they allowed Jorn Utsorn to construct What the world acknowledges is one of the greatest buildings ever built, and that's that building, the Sydney Opera House. The reason that I told you that story is because here's the point. Jorn Utsorn did not build the Sydney Opera House just so that my wife and I could take a picture in front of it. Nevertheless, our dream was made possible because of his dream. See, the thing about history is that history is a beautiful interwoven tapestry of people and places and things. And the thread that connects them all together are the dreams that people have had. 
I want to encourage you this year. I really believe that this is the will of the Lord for you to dream in 2016. And the thing that you have to know about your dreams is that your dreams won't just impact your life. Your dreams will literally impact the fabric of history. Everything that you and I enjoy, everything that, that we appreciate and even make part of our everyday experience started in some way, shape, or form as a dream in the mind of someone else. This is why throughout the Bible there are 1,784 verses of Scripture that are conditional promises. Conditional meaning they start off like this. If you will do X, Y, and Z, then God says, I will do X, Y, and Z. There are 1,784 of those verses. If blah, 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 then God promises that he will do X, Y, and Z. There are that many of those verses in Scripture, and I want to point that out to you because what I want you to understand is that the only thing, the reason that these verses are so important is because they teach us that the only thing standing between uh, us and God doing something unprecedented in our life is our ability and our willingness to dream. This is why over and over and over and over again, the scriptures say, if we will do blah, 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 then God will do X, Y, and Z. As a matter of fact, on August 15th, 1987, a man by the name of Howard Schultz was faced with what he recalls as one of the toughest decisions of his life. And that decision was whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a very weird name, Starbucks. Now, knowing what we know now, because we have the benefit of looking back on history, we know it was an amazing decision. But you have to understand that at that time, the price to buy those small, little-known coffee houses in 1987 was $3.8 million. And, and that scared Howard Schultz beyond words. Now, later on, he wrote a book, a memoir, about the challenge that he had to overcome uh, in order to purchase uh, this small, little-known chain of coffee houses known as Starbucks. And he wrote about it in a book called Pour Your Heart Into It. And here's what he wrote about the challenge of making that decision. He said, this is my moment, I thought. And if I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and dream and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering, what if? Howard Schultz gave up his safety net of, of a $75,000 annual salary to go after his dream of all things coffee. He bought Starbucks for $3.8 million in 1987. Five years later, Starbucks became a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ. And after the first day of trading, the value of the company was $273 million. Now, Starbucks has nearly 17,000 stores in 40 different countries with annual revenues of close to $5 billion. So remember, every time you enjoy one of their coffee drinks, after the fast, preferably. Remember, every time you enjoy one of their, you know, I mean, 
I don't know how many varieties of coffee they have. My favorite is, is uh, Cafe Americano with sugar-free vanilla. Pray for me through the fast. Pray. But, but, but whenever you go to Starbucks the next time and enjoy one of their coffee drinks, or even if you just go there to enjoy the atmosphere, maybe perhaps to have a small group there, remember that none of it would have been possible if Howard Schultz were not willing to dream. See, this is why I really believe that one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible is the verse that's at the top of your message notes. And I want to encourage you, make sure you pull those message notes out of your worship God. Online campus, don't forget those message notes are for you. I want you to follow along with me uh, through those message notes. That's why we uh, create them every week for you. But, but there's a verse of scripture at the top of your message notes that I really believe is the saddest verse in, in all of scripture. And it is from Jeremiah 46 in verse 17. And it says, there they will exclaim, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is only a loud noise. Why? Because he's missed his opportunity. I think that is one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. Now, this is not the same Pharaoh that Moses had a run-in with in the book of Exodus. This is a different Pharaoh, but, but one in the long line of a lineage of the history of the dynasty of the, the, the kings and leaders of, of Egypt. But it, it says, it says that, that here's what will be remembered most about him. That he's only a loud noise because he's missed his opportunity. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically what the opportunity was, but what it does say is that he will be remembered most as simply a guy that made a whole bunch of noise because whatever that opportunity was, he missed it. That's how the Bible uh, will remember him. And that's, that's how everybody that reads the Bible will remember him. Why is that important, Pastor Van? Because I don't know all of the opportunities that you will have in 2016. But I do know this. I do know that you will miss them if you're not willing to dream. You know, one of, one of the, the, the things that I enjoy about, about serving people, serving you, one of, one of the benefits of being a pastor is that is that it affords me the opportunity to, to walk with people in some really high places, high moments. But it also, unfortunately, what comes with that, the other side of that coin, is that I'll also walk with people in very low moments. The high moments that are joy to walk with people uh, in are moments like, you know, marriages, when, when two people fall in love and get married, and I have an opportunity to be a part of that, or when babies are born, or, or even to just see children uh, that I remember when, when they were born. I remember when they were infants and to see them grow into amazing young adults and on into adulthood. Those are, those are high moments. You know, baby blessings and house blessings. And those are high moments. But unfortunately, I also walk with people during low moments. And, and the low moments are, you know, the, the death of loved ones. Or even when someone is getting ready to transition from this life to the next, to spend eternity with the Lord. And there have been a number of times when I sat at the bedside with individuals that are getting ready to pass. And I've had an opportunity for those that are lucid and, and, and can talk. I've had an opportunity to, to ask questions. And, and most of the time I ask the same question. It's the same question. And often I get the same answer. I ask them, what's your biggest regret? What's your biggest regret about the life that you live? And almost always the answer is the same. The answer in some way is based on what they did not do. The biggest regret that most people have when they come to the close of their life, it's not the stuff they did. And it's certainly not the stuff that they did that they wish they could go back in time and do over or do better. 
It's what they did not do. Why? Because what many people try to do is we, we try to um, live holiness by subtraction. Meaning we, we, think, we think that righteousness is, is, you know, that I didn't do this. And thank God I didn't do that. And oh, I didn't do that. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do this. And so we, we live a life that, that really amounts to holiness by subtraction. We think that, you know, if we can just, you know, not do all of this stuff, then, then we'll live the life that God wants us to live. But I want you to understand that, that the life that God wants you to live is not holiness by subtraction. Righteousness is more than doing nothing wrong. It's also about doing some things right. Righteousness and holiness is, is about going all in with God. Living the life that he, that he gave Jesus to us for in order to live. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 28 and verse 18... This is after the resurrection. It says that Jesus came to them and Jesus, Jesus said, all authority. How much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why is that important? Because when you dream, you live life as if the victory has already been attained on the cross, which it has. A lot of times we only focus on the cross, you know, around Easter when we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus, our risen Savior. But the cross is not just something that we ought to focus on once a year. The cross is a reality that we ought to live every single day of our lives. And a part of that reality ought to focus us to a point that we are dreaming. Because when you dream, you are living as though the victory's already been won, which is why Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And if, if he's in our life and we're on his team, then we have every reason to dream. See, possibility and potential, that's God's gift to us. But dreaming and making the most of it, that's our gift back to God. And anything less than that will set you and I up for a life of regret. This brand new year is a year of possibility. It's a year of potential. But what you do with it and whether or not you dream, that's going to be your gift back to God. And he didn't give you another year for you to squander it, for you to go about it. Just like every other year, he gave you a brand new year, a year of hope and possibility and potential. Thank you for the three hand claps that I got here. Amen. I know, I know, I know Derby is with me. And so look at someone and tell them, don't miss your opportunity. And if you're not going to miss your opportunity, there are two things you need to know. Number one, you've got to know that God is for us. God is for us. He is for us. One of the greatest chapters in all the Bible is Romans chapter 8. And I want to encourage you. We read through the Bible every year together. We, we follow what we call a SOAP devotional plan. There's information out on our website. Why don't you join in with us? I want to encourage you to do that. It'll change your life, and I'll talk more about that on next Sunday. But regardless of whether you have ever read through the Bible or not, one of the, one of the most significant chapters is Romans chapter 8. Many historians and theologians, Martin Luther and Soren Kierkegaard and Paul Tillich and so many others have all agreed in some way, shape, or form that one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible is Romans chapter 8. It's, it, it is, it's been called the, the, the Da Vinci uh, of, of chapters. It's been called the Michelangelo of chapters. It, it, it is an amazing chapter. As a matter of fact, it starts off with the bang. Th this is not in your notes, but I even love the way that, that Romans chapter 8 starts. It starts by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation 
to them that are in Christ Jesus. I love it. I even, I even love the way that the chapter ends. It, it starts with a bang, and it ends on a high note. The Apostle Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an amazing chapter. It starts off with a bang. It ends on a high note. But here's the game changer. The game changer is right in the middle. It's Romans 8 and verse 31 and 32. This is the game changer. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, if you have any questions or doubts about God's intentions towards you, then the end result is that you won't dream. But when you know with every fiber of your being that God is for you, then that changes everything. That opens doors of possibilities, and what will end up happening is that you will dream like never before because God is for you. Now, for many people, this is strange, and it's strange. Sometimes it's even difficult to accept because we bought into the most insidious lie that the enemy has ever told. When Jesus talks about Satan, he says that he, he is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He's been a liar from the very beginning. That's where we get that phrase. My grandmother used to say it all the time. The devil is a liar. But one of the most insidious lies that the enemy has told people and people have bought into it is that God is not for us, that he's against us somehow, that he's withholding something from us. As a matter of fact, it's the same lie that the enemy told Eve when he slithered up to her as a serpent. You see this in Genesis 3 when he convinces Eve to eat from the tree that God told her not to. And, and she says to the serpent, no, 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 God said we're not supposed to eat it because when we eat from it, we're going to die. And here's what the enemy says. Notice what he's convincing her to believe. He says, you won't surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's, he's suggesting that, that, that God's holding back from you, that God's keeping something from you, that God, God's not for you because if he was really for you, uh, he would want you to be like him. That is the most insidious lie of the enemy, and it is a lie. God is not against you. God is not holding anything back from you. God is for you. And, and here's, here's, here's why this is earth-shattering to many people. Because God being for you has nothing to do with your performance. Teach Pastor Van. A lot of us, a lot of us we buy into this notion that, okay, I, I can maybe accept that God is for me when I'm doing everything that he wants me to do, when I'm living the way he wants me to live. See, we have this kind of performance anxiety about ourselves, and we project that even onto God. But that's not true. God is for you, and his love for you, him, him being for you, has nothing to do with performance. It's not based on your skin color. It's not based on your weight. Amen. It's not based on anything you can do. Now, if you want to go to the gym, I know you may have your New Year's resolutions to lose a few pounds, do it because you want to do it. But whether you are big or small, tall or short, light or dark, doesn't matter to God. He is for you. Are you following me? How do I know that? Because it was proven on the cross. 
The mere fact that he sent his only son and that Jesus took all of the stuff, all the junk, all of the sin of you and I, past, present, and future, that we would ever commit. And he took it all on himself because God didn't want anything to separate us from him. That's proof positive that God is for us. There's an equation that I want to give you. It's real simple. It goes like this. God is good. God is good. We, I came up in a church. We used to say God is good all the time. He is. He is. His, his thoughts towards us are good. He specializes in taking what the enemy meant for bad and turning it around and making it mean for our good. And we know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. God is good. But when you add that God is good plus God is love. He loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And likewise, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Greater love have no man than this, and he would lay down his life for a friend. When you add that God is good plus God is love, here's what it equals. God is for us. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. Even, even Christmas, there it is. Still got some of the the great Christmas decorations around our campuses. Even even in the birth of Jesus, that's what the angels were trying to communicate to people. In, in In Luke 2 and around verse 10, when the angels show up and make this announcement to the shepherd, notice what they say. They say, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why did they start off by saying don't be afraid and not fear? Because when you don't know that God is for you, then you open the door for all manner of fear to rise up in your life. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. When you know that God is for you, that he loves you, that he's got good plans towards you, you have no reason to fear. So the angel says to the shepherds, do not fear. Do not fear. For behold, we bring you good tidings, great joy, which will be for all people. What is the good news? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and what? Good will toward men. God's got good things in store for you. Good things planned for you. One of my life verses that I read years and years ago and I've held on to. There's not a day that goes by that I don't in some way think about this verse, meditate on it, even quote it to myself as Psalm 84 and 11. That literally says that there is no good thing that he will withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is for you. And I keep saying this because when you settle this in your heart, this revelation will change your life. This is why... Romans 8, 31 and 32 is a game changer. What then shall we say in response to these other things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And a lot of times we, we read that verse and we stop right there. But you got to read the next verse. It says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. See, the greatest thing that I could ever give anybody are my children. That's the most valuable. That's the most precious. And Paul says, if, if, if he was... If he was willing to give us his own son, how will he not give us all things? He gave us his best in Jesus. So anything second to Jesus, I mean, is second best. So if he gave us his best, surely he'll give us all things. Because God is for you. You know, the crucifixion ought to represent, the crucifixion ought to represent for you the end of all regrets. That when you really understand why Jesus went to the cross for you, then it ought to be the end of all regrets. Regrets, man, I wish I could have or coulda, woulda, shouldas. That ought to be the end of it because he removed removed the possibility for regrets. That's what the crucifixion ought to represent. The resurrection then 
ought to represent the beginning of all dreams. When he says that I have all power in my hands, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, that ought to open the door for you to dream like never before. Because God is for you. Look at somebody and seal that in their heart. Tell them God is for you. You, you, yes, you. God is for you. Derby, God is for you. And if you really accept that God is for you, then secondly, here's the good thing. Secondly and finally, what that should tell you, what that should lead you to understand, number two, is that God delights in our dreams because he's for you. God, God loves it when we dream. He gets excited when we dream. Why? Because he's for us. This is why in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it tells the story of really inconsequential God. You don't hear much about him. But, but, but it's significant. It says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you'd bless me. I, I love that. I love the, the translation. Bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And here's the kicker. And God granted his request. Now, now, some of you may be familiar with, with what we call the prayer of Jabez, but to really appreciate these two verses, you got to go back to the beginning of 1 Chronicles chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, look at it, because it's just, it's a boring list of names. It's the descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, Shubal, uh, a name I can't pronounce, uh, was son of Shubal, was the father of another weird name, and Jahath, I think that's right, was the father of Humai and Lahud and I mean name after name after name some of these names are hard to pronounce name after name after it's just a boring genealogy name after name after name and the chronicler is telling the history and he's just going by this person had this person this person had this person this person had this person but when he gets to verse 9 the chronicler it's got a pause it's like <clears throat> let me clear my throat I mean he he has to pause clear his throat Change up his tactics because he's telling the story of Jabez. Do you hear what I'm trying to teach you? That, that Jabez's life and his bio stands out. Why? Because he had the courage to dream. Everybody else's life is just humdrum. That's why there's nothing much said about him. This person had this person, this person had this person. But when the historian gets to Jabez's life, because he had the courage to dream, his life stands out. He says, no, i got to tell you about the bio. i got to tell you about the life, the story of Jabez. And you know what will make this year stand out? Unlike any of the other years in your life, it will be the same thing that made Jabez's life stand out, whether or not you are willing to dream. And I love it. It says that he was more honorable than his brothers. And, and I really did a lot of research trying to understand exactly why he was given that designation to be more honorable. Did a lot of research, pulled out my Hebrew Bible, and did a lot of study. And here's what I come up with. The only thing that I could find research-wise of, of why he was called more honorable was because he wanted to do more and he wanted to be more for God than the rest of his brothers. See, when you dream, God begins to move in your life in unique ways. And I love it because it says even his name, he wasn't limited by that. It says that his mother named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So his name, it literally means pain or it means that he will cause pain. So even as he's running around, here's what people are thinking, sometimes maybe even saying, hey, pain, 
How you doing? Oh, here comes pain. Here comes put your dishes up. Here comes pain. Don't let him in your house because you know now. You know he's got that gift. He will cause pain, you know. There goes pain. Hey, pain. Hey, man. How you doing? You, I know you caused some pain. I know what you've been up to, boy. You just caused some pain, didn't you? But even though his name meant pain, what allowed him to step out of the designations that other people gave him was his willingness to dream. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter the labels that people try to give you. It doesn't matter the designations that they put on you. What will shift your life beyond what anybody has to say about you is your willingness to dream. And notice how he dreamed. The Bible says he cried out, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. I love this. He, he dreamed by prayer. Why? Because dreaming and prayer absolutely go together. Dreams demand action. If you're not going to act on your dreams, then all you have are wishes. Dreams demand action. In fact, a dream without action is like a bird without wings. But the greatest action that you could take to help bring those dreams to fruition is prayer. What you ought to be doing right now, and we talked about this in our New Year's Eve service, and I know many of you uh, were not able to be here because Alabama was playing, and you just had to be at the game, or you had to be on your couch watching the TV because it's something about you and that couch and your Coca-Cola, you know, that they need you. And I get it, I get it, I get it. I just want to point out that I did tell you they were going to win. Amen. So I'm grateful that you now have another opportunity to see them. Amen. Auburn people, don't be mad at me. I'm just, you know, I'm cheering for the winner. Amen. Uh, at least somebody from Alabama is in the national title. Come on. I got no love there. All right. I was going to say roll tide, but I don't want there to be a riot in here. Amen. But here's the point. We mentioned it on New Year's Eve. We created what's called a dream wall. And, and whether you were at the New Year's Eve celebration or not, I want to encourage you don't leave any of our campuses, online campus. There's even a virtual online for you. And man, you guys ought to go out and look at our website and look at the dreams that people have been posting just over the last couple of days since New Year's Eve. It's amazing. But the point is, we built this dream wall so that you can go out and write on that card what your dream is and put it on there. And then we're going to build out another wall that's going to have dreams answered because throughout the course of the year, you're going to see people moving that stuff from their dream wall to dreams answered. But if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do it. You need to do it now because over the next 21 days, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing what Jabez did. We're going to be crying out to God daily for those dreams to come to pass. And I love it because it says, when you go back to the verse, it says, and God granted his request. Why? Because he was perfect? Absolutely not. Because he never made any mistakes? No, not on your wildest dreams. No, he was imperfect. He stumbled. He failed. But he had the courage to dream. And that's why God granted his request. So listen, as I'm closing, I want to give you really quickly, as you're dreaming, um, I, had, I had an individual last Sunday say, Pastor, you know, I'm, I'm having kind of a dream party and I'm inviting my friends over and we're going to be creating our dream list and we're going to get it done before the fast because the next 21 days when we start the fast, we're going to be, we're going to be bathing that stuff in prayer. Whether you've already done it, whether you're going to do it after service, whether you're going to go home and do it, I want to give you four quick things that your dreams should involve. As you're dreaming, your dreams should involve the following. Number one, God's purpose for your life. Your, your, your dreams should involve God's purpose for your life. I love it because the first thing that Jabez prays 
is all that you will bless me. I'm partial to the bless me indeed translation. And I I really want to just take a second to help you understand what he means when he says bless me because we live in this day and time where where people use that all the time. You know, somebody sneezes and we say bless you. We get to the table who's going to bless the food. But when he says, when he says, oh, that you'd bless me, to bless in a biblical sense means to ask for supernatural favor. See, when we ask for God's blessings, we're not asking for more of what we could get ourselves. No, no, no. We're asking God to pour out unlimited goodness and unlimited favor. And this is the kind of favor and goodness that only he can give. And so Jabez asked for it, but notice that he leaves it entirely up to God to decide what the blessings are, where, when, and how Jabez will receive them. So so it's a little bit different than than saying, God, 2016, I want a six-figure salary. I want a new house. I want a new car. No, no. What Jabez is literally praying is, God, I want everything that you want for me. See, when you seek God's blessings, what you're doing is you're literally throwing your entire life into the river of God's purpose and God's will. And so as you're making out your dreams, as you're posting stuff on the dream wall, leave room for God. Meaning, be specific. You do need something to point your faith at. But don't be overly detailed. You know, Father, I would like for my husband to lose 27.5 pounds. I would like him to to prepare at least three meals a week. I'd like for our date nights to uh, be on Fridays uh, at 6.30 promptly. No, just, you know, maybe what you want to say is, Father, would you bless my family? Would you bless my marriage this year? Would would, Would you do something special Uh, between my husband and I in a very unique way. Leave some room for God. Here's the second thing that your dreams ought to involve. Number two, God's influence through your life. The next thing that Jabez prays, he says, oh, that you'd bless me indeed. The next thing he prays is, enlarge my territory. Now, this is important because Jabez lived during a time where the promised land had been subdivided into real estate plots for the different tribes of Israel. And so when Jabez says, enlarge my territory, he's looking at the plot of land that's been given to him. And here's what he's really thinking. Surely, Lord, I was born for more than this. That's what you really ought to be saying for 2016. Surely, 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 Lord, you created me for more, for more than this. If Jabez was, if Jabez worked on Wall Street, perhaps he would have said, "Uh, bless me indeed. But Lord, also increase the value of my investment portfolios. If he was an entrepreneur, he probably would have said, bless me indeed, but, but also increase the opportunities and the scope of, of my business. If Jabez was married and, and was a father, he'd probably say, bless me indeed, but also add to my family and favor my relationships. Multiply the influence on my family for your glory. Here's the point I want you to understand. Wherever you are in whatever you do, That's the territory that God has assigned to you. And here is what God wants you to understand. He wants you to understand that you're in that area. You're in that territory. Not just to say, this is my career. But also because God wants you to be an agent of influence in that area. So when you pray, enlarge my territory. What you're literally asking God is, Lord, expand my opportunities to be a greater influence for your glory. That's that's what it's about. This is part of the reason why every week we talk about growth track, growth track. I want you to go through growth track. 
whether you've been a, a part of our family for 10 years or whether you're brand new to, to our church family, we, we want you to go through Growth Track. Last year, we had hundreds of people to go through Growth Track. Today, my wife and I, we're going to be teaching. I'm going to be teaching here at the Bessemer campus. My wife is going to be teaching one-on-one uh, at the Derby campus. We provide child care and lunch. Why? Because we want you to go through Growth Track. Because Growth Track will help you grow closer to God. It will give you the strategies and, and a plan for you to grow as a believer. But one of the other things that you will learn in Growth Track is that your gifts and your talents and, and everything that makes you you, your heart, your personality, and your experience, God gave it to you not just for your career. Your career is your territory. He gave it to you so you can be an agent of influence for him in that arena. So if you work in a bank, that's just your territory. And every person that you come into contact with in the bank, you ought to be thinking every day, God, how can I influence that person for you? If, if you're a barber, when, you sit, when somebody sits in your chair, if you're a hairstylist, when somebody comes to you, what you ought to be thinking is not just what's the latest style or what's the latest fashion. You ought to be thinking, God, how can I influence this person for you? See, that's how we're going to change the world. When every person understands that I am where I am because God dispatched me to be an agent of influence. I want to give you something really quickly. This is the will of God for you, but unfortunately, so few people really get to that expanded territory because we have the wrong math. Here's what we normally think. We think it goes like this. Okay, well, my abilities plus my experience plus my training plus my personality and my appearance. <clears throat> Got to look good. Amen. My past and the expectations of others, that's how my territory is going to be expanded. That's the wrong math. Here's what your math really should look like. My willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power equals expanded territory. When Jabez says, enlarge my territory, he says, God, I'm willing. I want you to take everything that's me, even my weaknesses. I'm wide open. Because when your supernatural power is added to it, that's how you're going to expand my territory. Here's the third thing that you're dreams ought to involve God's presence and power to a great degree on your life he says oh that you'd bless me indeed that you'd enlarge my territory and then he says let your hand be with me all through scripture that phrase the hand of the Lord it denotes the power and the presence of God it denotes the Holy Spirit moving in a great way. And you see it all through Scripture. Old and New Testament. The hand of the Lord was on Moses. The hand of the Lord was on Joshua. The hand of the Lord was on David. The hand of the Lord was on Nehemiah. And what that means, when you see that phrase, the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord, it literally means that there is, there is a flow of God's power and presence to a great degree in that person's life. And that's what you really want. Because when the hand of the Lord is on you, that's when you begin to tap into the supernatural. That's when things begin to happen that can only be explained by, hey, you know what? God did that. This is why Jesus, Jesus gave the great commission to the disciples. He says, go, go, go ye therefore. Y'all been with me three and a half years. I want you to take the gospel to the world. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then he says, go, but wait, 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 wait. In the upper room, wait for the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my disciples what he's saying is y'all can't do it by yourself and can I tell you something I don't know what your dreams are for 2016 
But if it's a real dream, it ought to scare you. If it's a real dream, I'm not talking about something you can do on your own. If it's a real dream, as you're writing it, you're like, Lord, now if you don't do this. That's the kind of dream God wants you to dream because it puts you in a place where you literally cry out like Jabez, Lord, I need you. I need your hand. And can I tell you what we're going to be doing over the next 21 days? That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be crying out for the hand of the Lord to be upon us. That's what we're going to be doing when we gather at 6 a.m. for prayer, Monday through Friday, and 9 a.m. on Saturday. Lord, we need your hand. Lord, put your hand on our family. Put your hand on our church. Put your hand on our ministries. What we're going to be praying is, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence. Lord, let your hand. And you ought to be praying that right now. Lord, I want your hand on my kids. If your hand would be on them, he'll straighten up and fly right. Put your hand on my marriage. Put your hand on my finances. He says, let your hand be with me. And here's the last thing I'm done. Last thing that your dreams ought to involve. God's protection covering your life. The last thing Jabez says is he says, oh, that you keep me from evil. He says, oh, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. But by the way, what I know I really need is I need you to keep me from evil, keep me from harm. Why? Because when your life transcends the ordinary, when you begin to dream, when you ask God to enlarge your territory, guess what? You're going to be encroaching upon the enemy's territory. And so what you ought to pray is, Lord, I need your protection. I need your covering. And, and I feel this. I don't know who this is for. I feel it for a, a great group of you. 2016 is going to be a year that you're going to kick down the door of the enemy's house. And literally will boldness begin to take back stuff that's got your name on it, that's been held up for years. It's getting ready to be released. As God expands your territory, you're getting ready to encroach upon areas where the enemy may have set up strongholds. God's getting ready to be glorified in a great way. And so what you ought to be praying is, God, I need your protection. I need you to protect my family. I need you to protect them. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, everybody stand up at every campus. At every campus, stand up. If you're watching online, I need you to grab your phone because I want you to do what we're getting ready to do here, but I want you to do it virtually. I want you to start sending text messages to people. In a second, I'm going to ask you to step out of the aisles in a moment, and I'm going to ask you in 2016 to just find six people around you maybe you don't know, and either high-five them, put your hand on their shoulder, and just say, Lord, Lord, your protection be on them. Are you ready? This is the prayer that we're going to offer for every person connected to this ministry today. Go, find six people, and just put your hand on them. Just say, Lord, your protection on their family, your, their, your protection on their kids. Father, your protection on their marriage, your protection on their finances. Father, we need you to protect them. We need you to cover them. The enemy doesn't have any place in their life. The enemy won't have any place in their mind in 2016. Lord, your covering be on them. Your protection be on them right now. Come on, Derby. Find six people in the name of Jesus. Protect them. Protect them. Protect them. Protect them. Protect them. I don't know what 2016 holds, but God, I thank you for you protecting them, for you covering them, for the enemy not having any place in their life. If you receive that, give God a praise.
We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.